Of course we struggle to wait on God. We always think it should be in our time, don't we? But God's time is perfect every time. I'm thankful this morning that our God is a personal God. And as a personal God, He speaks. And not only does He speak, but He loves. And He cares. And I'm thankful this morning that our God has a purpose for every life. He directs our steps. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The singular purpose of our God. He has a purpose for every life. And the singular purpose of every life is for God to receive glory. Can I ask you a question this morning? Your life story, does it bring God glory? Because the ultimate reason for our existence is the glory of God. But it's the specific plan of God. The details of your life. That's how God is glorified as you and I experience His goodness to us. Now the key to all of that working. The key to all of that culminating in the glory of God. And the experience in our lives of the goodness of God. Is our recognition of God's call. And our response to it through obedient faith. And I want you to see that this morning in our passage. If, if we're to recognize the call of God in our life. And let me say to you this morning. God is ever calling. God is ever speaking. God is ever drawing us closer to Him. And working in our heart to fulfill His purposes in our lives. How many of you believe that this morning? The Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, said, I've not attained. I've not arrived. He said, I'm still in pursuit of God and the call of God on my life. And this morning, I want to share with us, first of all, that we must embrace the simplicity of faith. Now, God is very complex in his nature and in his essence. But God does not make our approach to him a complex thing. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that if we have faith as a little child, we can approach God. And he desires that our faith be a childlike faith. Notice, if you will, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, first two words, by faith. By faith. And my, you can write entire sermons about those two words, by faith. We must embrace the simplicity of faith. Now, what is faith? Very simple. I would encourage you to write this down if you're taking notes. Faith is simple obedience. No matter what stage of life you're in, it's simple obedience to the revealed will of God, regardless of circumstances or consequences. How many of you remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat, as my Sunday school teacher used to teach it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were to be cast into the fiery furnace for refusing to bow down to the idol. And you remember that the wicked king in his wrath and his fury said, if you don't bow down, you'll burn. 
I love their answer. They said, oh, king, live forever. We're not going to bow down. Cast us into the fiery furnace if you must. Then they said this, our God will deliver us. And we all like that, don't we? Our God will deliver us. But then you see the reality of real faith. They said, but if not, we will not bow down. So they said, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the consequences, we will be obedient to what we know is the heart and the mind of God revealed to us. And that's what faith is. Faith is confidence in God. It's confidence not just in God's promises, but in God's very nature. That God will always do what He promised He'd do. How many of you believe that this morning? Can I ask you to do this for me? A little exercise here, spiritual exercise. If you believe the promises of God, would you lift your hand? If you believe the promises of God. Now hold them up, hold them up, keep them up. If you believe the promises of God are good for you, lift your hand. The only way you'll ever know that is to be obedient to what God asks us to do. And when we're obedient to what God asks us to do, it's then that we experience the blessing of that obedience. Look here, if you will, in chapter 1, or I'm sorry, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I want you to see some things quickly about how this works, this matter of embracing the simplicity of faith. <coughs> Excuse me, the Bible says, Pastor, may I drink this? Is this for me? Okay, I didn't know if this was for me or if we were having baptism today. <laughs> Go in peace, amen. <laughs> now faith, look what the Bible says. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What do we see there? We see the witness of faith. The witness of faith. The Bible says, for by it the elders obtained a good report. There's an internal witness of faith. When you put your faith in God, you will receive the witness that that faith is vindicated and that God is true. Amen. It's an internal witness. It's an external evidence. When you put faith in God, things happen. I love what one man said. He said, faith is our capital with God. It's how we transact. It's how we do business with God. And if faith is the capital... Prayer is the catalyst. It's what gets things moving. Amen. <clears throat> That's the witness of faith. We see the wisdom of faith in verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. How many of you believe that God created man and woman wonderfully and perfectly? Is there anyone, and don't raise your hand because I don't want to have to make fun of you, okay? Is there anyone that believes that man evolved from nothing? It takes a lot more faith to believe in nothing than it does to believe in a creator God. Amen? 
who created something out of nothing. Yeah, there's wisdom in faith. There's the worthiness of faith. Look at verse 4. <laughs> by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. <clears throat> what do we see there? We see that Abel approached God with a more excellent sacrifice. Now you know the story, Cain came to God with the fruits of his hands, his own works. Abel came by faith in the blood sacrifice and the sacrifice of the animal. And God received Abel's gift, but he rejected Cain's gift. That's the worthiness of faith. Look at the walk of faith in verse 5. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Read it with me, this last phrase. That he pleased God. Isn't that what you want to hear at the end of your life? That your life pleased God? Amen? <clears throat> now, we see the walk of faith in Genesis 5.24 and in uh, Genesis chapter 6 verse 9. We see that Enoch walked with God. We see that Noah walked with God. All of this by faith. There's the work of faith and the warning of faith. Look at verse 7. It tells us that by faith Noah, who was warned of the coming judgment of God, was moved with fear and he made an ark to the saving of his house. And he became an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. <laughs> we see the waiting of faith. How many of you struggle to wait on the Lord? you ever struggle to wait on the Lord? Would you do me a favor? If you have a struggle waiting on the Lord, could you lift your hand? Thank you, all of you honest people. Those of you who did not lift your hands, you're a liar, and there'll be an invitation, and you can get right at the end of the service. Amen? Of course we struggle to wait on God. We always think it should be in our time, don't we? But God's time is perfect every time. And can I just say that waiting on the Lord is not easy, but Abraham, we see in verses 8 and 9, boy, he had to wait on God. He had to wait on the promises of God to be fulfilled in his life. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we read a couple of pages and we forget that years upon years upon years of time pass between a couple of leaflets or uh, pages of our Bible. There's the waiting of faith. There's the watching of faith. Look at verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He looked for a city. <clears throat> In verses 15 and 16, the Bible says, And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now, can we say that together? But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Amen. How many of you today are patiently waiting and patiently watching and patiently working and patiently walking by faith? Amen. It's the only way to live. Let me give you this. <clears throat> You'll get a blessing out of this at Christmas time. There's the womb of faith. Look at verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. <clears throat> Excuse me. And was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had 
promised. And the Bible tells us in verse 12 that there sprang an entire multitude from her womb. The womb of faith. Sarah bore Isaac. Jochebed bore Moses. Had to hide him from Pharaoh. Hannah prayed for Samuel. God blessed and gave her the prophet Elizabeth. Bore John the Baptist in her old age. And then maybe the greatest one of all. Mary the virgin. Conceived Christ. What a blessing. That which is conceived in hers of the Holy Ghost. What a beautiful, beautiful thing it is to worship Christ at Christmas and to celebrate the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The sinless humanity of Christ. What a thought today. Do you know if it didn't happen that way, you and I would be in our sins. Amen. We would still be in our sins. Let no one tell you that it happened any other way. It happened the way God said it happened. Amen. So I just want you to understand this morning that no matter where we are in life, and no matter what way God might be working in our life at any given moment of time, if we're to recognize the call of God in our life, we have to begin with the simplicity of faith. When God called Sydney and I to Botswana, Africa, we had spent two years praying for what was next in our lives. We were actually at a place of great transition and really a great time of waiting on God. It wasn't an easy time. I like to be busy. I'm a busy person. But God made it very clear that we were to wait and we were to watch. And after praying for two years, I was working one morning. I was driving a semi-truck, actually. And I pulled into a place of business. And I got out and I had been studying the book of Hebrews. And that morning, God used Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, to call me to Botswana. The Bible says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. And that morning, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, if you'll go to Botswana, Africa, I'll give you that country for Christ. I didn't know what that meant then. And I went out not knowing whither I went. We surrendered to the call of God to go to Botswana without ever having been there. But we knew it was the place that God had led us to. And it was the work that God had for us to do. And now we're beginning to see the fruit of that obedience. God is doing what God promised he would do. But it began with one simple word. He obeyed. The very story, I have not time to tell it to you this morning, but the very story of how we came to this part of the country is such a miracle. How we met this church and so many churches up in the northwestern part of the world here and how God put hearts together so that we could do this great work in Botswana. <coughs> Excuse me, I give all the glory to God this morning. I give all the glory to God this morning. For we've only done the one thing that God asked us to do. And that was to be obedient to Christ. And can I say that when you're obedient to Christ. It opens up a world of opportunity. 
for God to do great things in your life. Somebody say amen. Number two, there's a backdrop to every story. A backdrop to every story. You know, every one of us has a story. It's the story of our life. I think of Jeremiah, and the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, God said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. <clears throat> There's a story. Jeremiah said, Lord, I'm just a child. I'm just a child. What can I do? God says, I know what I'm going to do through you. Now, surely this morning, we're not Calvinists, right? We're not Calvinists this morning. Can I get a witness? If you're a Calvinist, then this soul winner's ministry wall right here is a waste of time. <laughs> no, the Bible says we should go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. God wouldn't waste his words if the gospel wasn't for every creature. Amen. I believe that Christ died for all men. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. I believe with the Apostle Paul that I am debtor to all man and that every man I meet and every opportunity I have to share the gospel is an eternal obligation that I must repay because of the grace of God that's been given to me in my life. Amen. I hope you feel that way this morning. But can I tell you this morning that there's a story. There's a story and the Bible says Abraham was called, he was called to go out, and then the Bible says he went out, and then he, in verse 9 we see that he sojourned, and I like to say of Abraham, Abraham had a blue-collar faith, a blue-collar faith. You remember the day when the angel of the Lord came, and they came in to uh, foretell the destruction of Sodom? <coughs> Excuse me, and the Bible says that Abraham sat in the door, in the doorpost of the tent, of his tent in the heat of the day. And he just blue collar faith. Just trudging along. Trusting God. Those appearances of God at random times in his life. But always in a way that encouraged him. But can I just say that everybody has a story. David had a story didn't he? David was a shepherd boy. God wanted him to be a king. Joseph had a story. He had a lot of dreams. Joseph had a lot of dreams. A lot of dreams that God gave him, but his dreams got him in trouble with his brothers, didn't they? <laughs> my, my, my. He, you know, that favored son, he never anticipated that he would be thrown into the pit, that he would be left for dead, that he would be sold into slavery, that he would be lied upon by Potiphar's wife. He never anticipated any of those things. And I want to say this morning that when it comes to the backdrop of your story, listen, Expect the unexpected. Plan for the unplanned. If you're going to love God, if you're going to serve God, if you're going to be fruitful in your Christian life, you have to understand it's probably not going to go according to your plan. Are we together? Can I get a witness? How many of you understand the Lord loves to do it just the opposite of what you think he should? Do this. That's how we give God glory in Africa. <laughs> we say, Lord, we're listening. We understand. Amen. Of course. Peter had a story. That fisherman out by the Sea of Galilee, 
trying to figure it all out. And the Lord came by and said, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Follow me. Paul had a story, didn't he? He was Saul and he was fervent for God. But he was fervent in the wrong way. He was batting for the wrong team. And he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus and it changed him forever. How did he answer? Lord, what would thou have me to do? You see, it's all about obedience. And it's all about understanding that God is over all. And whatever the story of your life is, maybe you have some critical failures in your life. Does anybody here have any critical failures that you look back on and say, Lord, how in the world did we get through that? Let's try that again. You ever think, Lord, I don't know how we got here because I sure was a dummy. Yeah. You know what my answer to that is? Number one, don't be a dummy. <laughs> People do try to help us, don't they? If we'll listen. But more importantly, even when we are a dummy, God is faithful. God is sovereign. Nobody's going to frustrate the purposes of God. God will get done what God desires to do for his glory in us, with us, for us, through us, and sometimes in spite of us. Amen. There's a backdrop to every story. Number three, I want you to see there's a specific calling to respond to. Look, if you will, at verse 8. The Bible says Abraham was called. He was called. And you remember that Saul was called. And you remember that Peter was called. And you remember that David was chosen. And you remember that even old Zacchaeus was called down out of a sycamore tree. And can I just say that no matter who you are, no matter where you are in your life's experience today, God is calling you. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, maybe you've been coming to this church for a while, maybe you've been hearing the gospel and you're trying to reason it all out and you're trying to figure it all out, I want to say to you today, there's a simple invitation that God gives to you. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and follow me. God wants to love you. God wants to save you. God wants you to be in heaven with him. You're a Christian today and you're walking with God and you're, you're just sitting there saying, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I just feel like God's got something more He wants me to do. Ask the Lord what that something more is. God will reveal it. He only expects our obedience. Can I say to you this morning that God calls us to be saved first and foremost. But then God calls us to a matter of sanctification. And sanctification is that daily walking with Christ. It's that daily growing in Christ. And all of us are expected to walk with the Lord. Amen. But God also calls us to a place of surrender. There's going to come a time in your life when God will ask you to throw up the white flag of your life. To say, Lord, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. He asks us to surrender our lives to Him. Not my life. Your life, Lord. 
My life is not mine to control. You know what would happen if I had a control of my life? I'd make a mess of it. And you'd make a mess of yours. You say, oh, but I'm a great success. Are you? This life will not tell that story. It's what will happen after this life that will determine those things to be true. And then God calls us to serve him. Amen. Now we must hurry so that we can close on time. Can I get a witness? We're doing good. Okay. Look next, if you will. Number four, look in verse nine, if you will. In verse 9, by faith Abraham sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Number 4, this morning, others will have a significant part as God speaks and as God leads you in your life. Oh, how I thank God for the others that God has used in my life. Here in a few weeks, I'll get to see One of my dearest, dearest mentors, Pastor Roger Murphy. Pastor Roger Murphy taught me when I was in Bible college. Pastor Roger Murphy preached in the churches that I pastored. Pastor Roger Murphy's a great man of great wisdom. And even though he's old and even though he's physically feeble, he's still strong for God. And I'll see him in a few weeks. And when I see him, I never ever, Pastor, I never come into his presence That I don't feel like I've looked into the eyes of God when I'm talking to him. It's like his eyes as compassionate as they are are full of fire. You get convicted just sitting in his presence. He forces you to answer questions in your spirit as he speaks about where you are with God. How many of you are glad for people like that in your life? Amen. I mean, no flattery this morning, only to give honor where honor is due. Your pastor reminds me of Pastor Murphy. How many of you believe your pastor is a very wonderful, nice guy? But how many of you would not want him to be cross with you? Some of you scared to raise your hand. (laughs) Yeah. No, of course. God gives the man of God. God gives us a pastor. God gives us a parent. Amen. God gives us spiritual friends and advisors. And God uses people to help to lead you. But can I say something? There's going to come a time when God wants to use you to help lead others. And there was a time when Abraham needed help to discover God's call in his life. But then there came a time when his legacy of faith became a light for others to follow him. And oh, how important it is this morning that we understand that God's call is a call to help others to see God's work in their life accomplished. Let me give you this, if I may, number five, the end result will far exceed your expectations. The end result will far exceed your expectations. I love Jeremiah 33, 3. Call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. When I was a 12-year-old child and I gave my heart and life to Christ, and then God called me to preach when I was 16. When I was 16 years old, I was the most shy, backwards, timid person you'd ever meet honestly 
I would not look you in the eye. I would look at the ground when I talk to people. I would hardly talk. I would hardly say a word. Now they can't get me to shut up. God did that. God did that. God took a shy, backwards, corny, geeky little kid and turned him into a preacher. Only God could do that. But what are you saying this morning? I'm saying that if you'd have told me when I was 16 years old and God said, I want you to preach the gospel. And I said, Lord, I'm not that guy. If God had said then, now you're going to go to Romania. If God had said then, now you're going to marry a pastor's daughter. And boy, isn't she more than you expect. And if God had told me then, you're going to go to Botswana, Africa. I'd have said, no, sir. (laughs) Not interested. But God knew. God knew. And then our last thought, God calls us to something greater than ourselves. God calls us to himself. The most important thing to understand this morning is not what God wants you to do, but God, what God wants you to know about him. You know, the more you discover the heart of God and the nature of God, the more you care less about your own desires and ambitions. And your whole life just becomes a desire to please the God who loves you like he does. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, if you'll look there, we'll close. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Can I ask you this question this morning as pastor comes? What is God's call in your life in this moment? What is it? You say, Brother Haley, God's not calling me to be a missionary. Is he calling you to be a Sunday school teacher? Is he calling you to join the teams that go out and share the gospel? Is he calling you to take one of those cards that we just received from pastor's hand? And just go find somebody today at a restaurant or a grocery store and say, would you come to this special event that our church is doing for people like you for Christmas so that someone might hear the gospel and be saved? You never know what God's going to do with one simple act of obedience. Answer The call of God this morning. Please. For his glory. And for the world who needs the gospel. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's word.